Hello and welcome to Retirementals. We have a first on this podcast today. My guests today are a husband and wife team running an amazing financial planning firm, Berry and Hook, which is an award-winning chartered financial planning firm based in West Yorkshire. If you don't know who I'm talking about, it's the power couple <laughs> behind <laughs> Barry and Oak. Uh, Andrew and Sarah Elsin, welcome to Retirementals. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. And uh, I say you picked a great day for doing this, Abraham. Last day of the tax year. And you, 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 you paused <laughs> off that to come and do a podcast. You know, there's, still, there's still some ISIS to be done. <laughs> In, in, in my defense, Andrew, we did try to get you on the podcast a few times. Then I had to speak to your secretary and your assistant and your PA. And ultimately, they found me a slot. Yeah. You're a very, very busy couple. The, the, the entourage is huge. You know, that you've, got to, that you've got to get past. We've got a, a great defense. <laughs> Good stuff. It's I'm delighted to have you guys on the podcast. Let's let's get started. Um, tell us a little bit about the 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 firm today uh, and the journey that led uh, both of you uh, into into financial planning. All right. Well, I'll start off with that. I think we'll go back right to the very beginning. Um, you know, and it's almost like start with education. Um, so both Sarah and I um, did A-levels, although you probably can't say that about me because I got a D and two E's. Um, and I can't say that. In fact, I've got to make sure my son doesn't watch this video because he's doing his A-levels right now and he still doesn't understand how bad mine are. Um, Sarah's are better than mine, but it's quite fair to say that because of that, we didn't go to university. Um, you know, decided, you know what, I want to get a job. And at 18, I started work for TSB Bank as a cashier um, on about six and a half grand a year on their accelerated training program. Sarah, obviously a few years younger than me, started a bit later. Yeah, I started at 17. Um, same thing, straight from A-levels onto a, again, um, I went in as cashier, actually. It was a six-month temporary contract, which I was going to do and then go to uni, but I enjoyed it that much that I, I ended up staying on. Um, and again, just, just worked my way up from the bank, from cashier to... Um, I used to watch the financial planner in my branch and thought, well, I can do that. That's not that hard. So I nagged and nagged and nagged um, till I sat my exams, proved I could do it. And, well, and by exams, I mean FP1, FP 2 FP, and 3. Yeah, I FP mean, those who are a little bit older out there will sort of exams FP1, 2 and 3. Mm. And then... Um, I don't know. They're not, they're not the easiest exams to pass. That Were they FP1, 2 and 3? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There's a couple of people where you, you could have just flicked a coin and you had a good chance. It was a 50-50 pass, you know. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, so I became a financial planner when I was um, 20. I was too too young to even have the company car, so they had to hire me a Ford car from the local rental car company. <laughs> and that was my first company car, again, at TSB. And I think both of us sort of stayed at TSB for about 10, 15 years. Um, so, again, I was similar, went for cashier, Started doing the in-grants interviewing, mortgages, loans, saw the financial advisor bits, thinking that's easy because I just kept putting people in his office and he just signed an application form and decided that was a job I wanted to do. Um, so, you know, we, we learned there. And, and while we're both at TSB, it probably gave us um, a lot of where we are today. 
because despite all the things that banks became, there was very good training, you know, people mm. skills, sales skills, customer service skills. There was something that we used to do every day um, called fit to fly in the branch, which I mean, do you want to talk about when you were? Yeah, so I, um, in my branch, I became a branch manager. Um, and that's where we met, which we'll talk about in a minute. But um, yeah, before the branch opened in the morning, we used to do something called fit to fly. So it was making sure the branch was ready to be open for the customers to come in. So we'd go into the banking hall, check the brochures were filled up, check all the deposit withdrawal slips were in, that the pens worked and they'd got ink in them. And we've carried that through into the business and we have now a fit to fly process before clients come into the meeting room, which is the same thing. You know, we make sure the TV's on with the berry and oak sort of like welcome message on the screen. We make sure the air freshener's on so it smells nice, the kettle's boiled. So just so the clients come in and they feel expected and ready to be received, really. They don't come into an office where we're like, oh, well, you're here. Yeah. And the other thing I think we got from TSB, again, which flows through what we do is they did a big training program called Total Quality Management, which basically everybody in the whole bank did. Um, and a big thing came out about it, which was do the right thing first time and every time. And that was like a slogan mm -hmm. that they had. And that's still what we do today. If we're going to do something, we do it properly. We don't cut corners. You know, we make sure it's done to a high standard all the way through. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. So when did you two uh, get together at what point who, who, who was the boss or who was oh, no the senior he's paid you money <laughs> so we met um, I got promoted to be a bank manager and I moved up into right. the branch where Andrew was based as the financial advisor so technically only one or two days a week I was Andrew's boss <laughs> Abraham this is one of those moments where recollections may vary. So, so you you were his boss, and he he was then going to ask you out, and then you. Well, I yeah, think she she pounced I mean, this... on me on a, on a works night <laughs> out. She pounced on no, me. No, well, the funny thing was we um we kept it secret for about three or four months that we were together, and then we thought actually we need right. to make an announcement. We need to kind of tell the rest of the staff in the branch. So we told them all, and they're all like, "Yeah, we know." <laughs> like... I think we need to scrub this right. bit. I think, I think we need to scrub this bit. It's not good for my reputation. <laughs> and did you have to have a conversation with HR? Yeah, we did. We had a, we had a conversation with HR. Um, and, and, and as and Sarah's the manager, the boss at the time, delegated me to go do that. <laughs> so, um, I, 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 you know, we, we, we did it from there. And they were like, yeah, yeah, don't care. Just, you know, carry on as normal. It, well, it was oh, a branch. Wonderful. I was only in one or two days a week because I covered two or three different branches. But she kept trying to get me there three and four days because I was good for targets. <laughs> yeah. In fact, my branch was delivering the, the leads, so we did end up coming three days a week because my team and the, the staff were giving him the appointments. So, <laughs> but yeah, so we, we've kind of worked together stuff. for a long while, really. Because I know a lot of people say to us, "How do you work together? How have you worked together?" I think we, we don't really know anything else. Um, we've probably had about two years where I worked for Scottish Widows um, and you were sort of like just setting up. But apart from that, we've worked together for the sort of like 20 odd years we've been together. So we don't know anything other than working together, really. Yeah. And it's amazing. Both of you are still alive. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, we, we, we do have our moments. But uh, yeah, so, so I think after that, I think, you know, TSB been going 15 years, but it was getting to a stage where, I think I had the advanced diploma. I even had G um, G60 um, for the pension, yeah. which is the, the, the proper exam. 
um, and stuff uh-huh. like that, but you know, couldn't use it in the sort of the, the, the world that we were in, which is just selling ices. And we, we had a choice of two, UK growth or worldwide. Um, that, 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 was, that was the choice. Um, and I decided that, you know, I wanted to really stretch myself and do more. And, and actually, it was more about the clients because I wanted to be able to look after the clients and do better for them. And, you know, the, mm. the sales management culture that banks are developing where you just have to sell more and more. And I'm like, well, I just want to look after and see last year's clients check they're okay. No, you can't do that because there's nothing new to sell. So I, I, I left and, um, and joined um, a network at the time, um, one called Millfield that changed its names many times from Millfield, Bates Millfield, Millfield Partnership, you know, and then it ended up as um, Honister that went um, belly up eventually. Um, and that was sort of starting off as a one-man band IFA, you know, just me on my own, um, you know, went through getting an administrator. And then it was a time, I think, we'd, we, we'd had our, um, our boy being born and said had been on return to leave and went back. But she wanted to go back three or four days a week, which they weren't really keen to do. So I promised her three or four days a week if she came to work for me. And uh, so now I'm the boss. Um, That's how he likes to think. <laughs> but, you know, I, I let her settle in for the first, so I think, three or four weeks, working three or four days a week. And then I said, no, I need you five days now. And uh, that were it. <laughs> now I'm on six days. So. <laughs> <laughs> And Sarah, during the time then, you you went on to do your chartered and certified, all, all of those sort of uh, exams. Yeah, well, I, I didn't pick my exams up until our boy was probably about three or four. Um, right. And then, I, again, I worked through my diploma and my chartered and my CFP. So um, it, I won't say it was easy. I was juggling being mum to, you know, sort of like a school-aged child, running a business and doing my exams, but um, got there in the end, so... And it's been really useful because the team are going through their exams. I've done my exams. And so I know, you know, what they're going through, how hard it is, really. I think uh, it's there's a lot of exams, really, when you go from, you know, nothing to get to chartered. And I think it's um, if you've done them yourself, you appreciate that the work that's involved for anybody else that's doing them. It's incredible, incredible stuff. So tell us where the business is today. What does Berry and Oak look like today tell us about the people about the clients give us some numbers i like my numbers i'm sure you do too yeah. uh, okay so so Berino actually started back in january 2018 as i said we've been through the network uh, part um and then eventually um we decided networks weren't for us um there'd been a good structure we'd got us where we needed to be um but we're probably getting a bit too big and, and also you know we wanted to paddle our own canoe we knew what we'd like to do, how we wanted to do it, and it didn't necessarily fit the network culture, which was funds under management, and we were more client focused and you know being you know all of the work that we did for the client. Yeah, and I think the, the biggest thing was having our own identity. You know, we'd been part of a network, and we obviously had to use their name, um, and it was that that time we felt you know to actually design our own brand, our own colours, and have something that we sort of like were really proud of to shout about. Um, and it was a what we call we unconscious uncoupling, a bit like Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin. Oh. So it was done in a very very amicable manner. We still work with the network that we were part of. Um, you know, it was it was all done in a very nice way. Um, we just felt it was time for ourselves to kind of, I suppose, create Berry and Oak really as as it is today. Yeah. I, I, and I like the brand. Who's the Berry? Who's the Oak? Well, I'm the Mary old oak tree, the way it's described by Sarah, and she's the sweet berry, you know. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, we, we spent a lot of time, well, you know, we worked with somebody that helped us come up with a name and we spent a lot of time going over different names. We looked at, you know, plays on, you know, the, the Latin for money and all that sort of thing. And just <laughs> couldn't come up with anything that we liked. And we started then working on, well, what sort of brands do our clients identify no, with? No, 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 stop, stop. <laughs> what we did is I looked through our credit card statement and it was Mulberry, Burberry. <laughs> it, <wasn't. laughs> it will be. <laughs> Um, and then that, that's where Berry came from. And then it was sort of like just a, developed from there, really. And we just felt it sounded like the name of a company that had been around for a long time. Um, the ampersand in between Berry and Oak is designed to be, you know, bringing the Berry and the Oak together, you know, the, the labours of your hard work and, and things like that. Yeah. And it also signals to clients that, you know, it's the ampersand, it's a partnership between you and Berry and Oak. So it's a, it's a joining on it from there. Um, and the feedback we got at the time when it was being discussed was it sounds like a professional firm, like a firm of solicitors or an accountant. It sounds very robust if it's been around a, a long time. Um, so that, that's where the, the, the whole name came from for that. Um, and, and at the time, yeah, we, 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 we were unsure about it. And it's fair to say it's grown on us. Um, and, we, and now we love it. It's, it. it's been a great name. But it is a very interesting bit to go through choosing a name without, you know, um, coming up with like crazy latin names or putting our own name in the middle of it as a bit of ego or something uh so it stands nice and and separate and uh that fell for it from there so yeah it was a great process okay. to go through so yeah it started five years ago um since then bit of numbers we've probably doubled our turnover now just obviously year just finished uh we're at 1.2 million um Incredible. funds of the management again doubled last five years we're at 120 million if markets have been a bit kinder in the last 12 months, that would obviously have been a bit bigger. Um, our trail is about 90% of our turnover. Um, and 15% of that is um, fixed fee paid on a monthly basis. So most of it is is, is um, uh, AUM based, but you know, uh, a bigger and bigger part of it is becoming a fixed fee, financial planning fee part. Um, we'll look after 194 households and um our plan at the moment is to take on one new client a month um at the minute we're onboarding seven um, <laughs> um again our, our process and i'm sure we'll touch on it soon our process of bringing on a new client is, is is pretty detailed it's not a quick bit so it's fair to say taking on a new client can easily kill us if you get too many at the same time so we have to be you know choosy who we work with um but at the same time we've also been very fair to a lot of clients saying um there's a few now where We've done too good a job. They don't need us anymore. Mm. And we've been, you know, mm. another uncoupling that we've been doing is talking to some clients saying, you don't really need us anymore. We've got you to a great mm. place. The investments you've got, you could self-manage, self-serve. Just do that and stop paying our fee now. And if you need us, come back to us. Um, and, um, you know, we're always here. One or two we found somewhere that was doing a much lower sort of touch service therefore was a bit cheaper and said, look, this is going to be right for you now. And I think under consumer duty, that's what firms are going to have to start doing a bit more, saying that to you, you're still adding value to these clients. Um, and we were, you know, said quite upfront with people about that. I think one we just had recently, which actually a client that you yeah, had. Yeah, one of my clients, wasn't it? Again, um, I looked after this lady for, for a number of years, really, and she'd um, really been, been living a less, best life. She was just drawing down her investments every year, traveling, going on holidays, we got to the point that I think she'd got about £35,000 left um, and was wanting to talk about sort of like, you know, maybe doing equity release because she lived in a really big house. Um, 
and it was just there was nothing really left for us to kind of to manage and look after um so again over the few years coming up that we had had the conversation you know at some point it's not worth you paying us anymore so for the last meeting she came in and she went I know today's the goodbye meeting <laughs> and um she was just really lovely and we kind of sort of like set her on away got her all sorted out and she you know she's I still see her because she lives in the village where our office is I see her at lunchtime sometimes when I'm out and about um, but she left us on that day, gave us a five-star Google review and referred another friend to her that became a client. So obviously happy with what we'd done, but also knew herself that, you know, there was no point of paying us when we couldn't add her any more value to what we were doing really for her. But it just shows that you, that you can easily, you know, you can do this in a professional manner where everybody's happy. You're listening to Retirementals. So the two of you are the planners within the, the firm. And then tell us a little bit about the support team. I'm interested, though, you know, I know, I know, I know Sarah's officially uh, operations director. Uh, how much was the split of clients between you two? And then tell us a little bit about the. Okay. the um... Yeah, I'll do that for you, Abraham, then. So. I'm I'm the main advisor, so most people see me um, um, on it from there. Sarah, as you said, does more of the operational work, so um, she kindly volunteered to do things like the VAT return, the gamer return, <laughs> um, anything to do with the compliance stuff. So that, that that's Sarah's. I get to talk to people about their lives and all the really good, great stuff. Um, so so Sarah probably sees about five percent of our clients. Um, sometimes more of a popping in, making sure they're all right, dealing on the phone. Um, and I'll do more of the advising part of it. But we've also got um, Dan, who's with us as, as an advisor now. He joined us about three years ago as a power planner to go into a trainee right. advisor role. Um, and then he became an advisor with us about um, about a year ago, fully-fledged signed-off advisor. And over the last 12 months or so, we've been, well, it started before that, we've been gradually handing over the clients to him. So there's some clients that are just his now, some he still sits in with me. Um, and and some that he'll you know that will probably be a support to me for for some time. So he's got about fifty five clients of his own now, um, but it's been a, a a meeting over two or three years to hand those clients over, not just oh by the way next year you're seeing Dan see you later. It's mm. been introduced into mm. the meeting and I was probably the lead. Then he did a meeting and took over more of it. Then I was sort of like taking his notes um, in the meeting and he was doing the meeting. And then next time I wasn't there. Um, and the clients have, you know, have, have sort of accepted that, and they, they they see themselves as clients of Berry and Oak rather than, um, you know, an individual advisor client, and that that's something I think a lot of firms struggle with. That you know, client advisors can be very um, possessive of their client, but they're really the clients of the firm, and they they're looked after by the firm. And I think Sarah, if you want to talk about the back office, but if the back office don't do what they do, the advisors you know, can't do what they do. Yeah, so we, again, um, I was just probably just touching on what Andrew said. I think when you've looked after a client like Andrew's looked after some of these clients for, you know, 15, 20 years to just hand over and say, by the way, this is Danny's going to be looking after you. Just just isn't the right thing to do. So it's been a gradual sort of like transition for the clients. So they felt, felt comfortably and also to make sure that Dan understands everything about their, you know, their family, their financial plan so that Dan can pick up and, and deliver the same service that they've always had, really, which he has done and he's done a really good job with. Um, so we've got a great team behind us as well. So as well as that, we've got uh, two para planners that are in house, and we also have an outsourced para planner that we work with as well. 
Um, and then we've got um, Lily, our graduate trainee, and then two other administrators upstairs as well. Um, and again, a lot of the work, particularly this last two or three weeks, they've been absolute machines upstairs, getting everything processed <laughs> for tax year end. Um, but yeah, I think the big thing with Berry and Oak is it's, uh, although Andrew and Dan and myself are probably the, the face of the company because we're the advisors that are out there or, you know, speaking to yourself, we couldn't do what we do, even like spend the time we're spending with you now if we didn't have the team upstairs to be looking after the clients and making sure that they were well serviced, really. So it's, it's a big team yeah. effort. I yeah, and it's incredible in the sense that often we we forget or we don't give enough pay enough attention and give enough credit to the operations team, right? Behind the 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 advisors. And and, and it's insane. You know, I've spoken to a lot of advisors, um, you know, we, we see a fair bit through our conversation. And what I tend to find that is see is that you know, the the guys and girls who are up there in terms of productivity, you know, if you think, well, according to FCA data, people are going to shout at me, you know, but I didn't make these numbers up. The FCA does, you know, an average advisor would do like 200,000, um, you, know, you know, an average firm, sorry, advisor, 200,000 pounds a year. And then, if you look at a firm like yours, which again, my definition, I'll define it as a two advice, advisor firm, you know, which is like doing two and a half times that, you know, and I would look at them, I would say the key difference I find between, you know, these top producers or top productivity advisors and, and others or the average tends to be just the quality of their support team, the operations um, behind them, you know, would you disagree? Would no, you... I think definitely agree with that. And I've had this conversation with people for a time. I, I see a lot of firms where there's eight advisors, one power panel and one admin. Right. Yeah, great. Yeah. You know, where I would say our, our pyramid is the complete opposite direction. I don't, I'd almost not want to take on another advisor. I'd rather take on another administrator, another power planner or another operations oh. role and said, if you could take this off me or you could take this off Dan or off Sarah, we can, you know, we've got the ability to ratchet up our turnover easily. Finding another advisor, you've got to get make sure they're doing it the right way. You, they then need their own support behind them. Um, so better and, and higher numbers of back office support is is, is the key to me i think to um productivity of firms and and, and success and, and also de-risking the business because you know the front line is where it's going to probably go wrong and the fewer people you've got <laughs> yes. on the front line it, it makes it easier and i know you've done some work recently that i've always been really interested in is what is the ideal what's the optimum size of firm for profitability and i think you recently came out between two and five advisors which would have probably met with my gut feeling because you get, I, I like to, to take credit, by the way, but it's not my data. I'm just thinking. Yeah. Sorry, carry on. And and some people said to me, Phil Billingham said to me, uh, Abraham, I've seen this data, this thing you're talking about, uh, in, in the 1990s, right? <laughs> so nothing new here. Yeah, absolutely. But, but, yeah. yeah, but there are. But you know, I, I see the bigger firms get. They actually don't make any more money. You know, you're getting mm, busy yes, there and have yeah. more hustle, and you got a head of department for every department. And, and barely make a profit and go bust. Or you stay a nice, good-sized business, turning over, everybody's happy, everybody's making money, great client service, 
Yeah. Why change? And I think the other thing we do as well, although I've told you the team, we've got a massive support team outsourced as well. So we work very much in working in our unique ability and we do what we are good at and what we are best at. And then we bring in other people. So our, I've got a fantastic bookkeeper that does all our books, our accounts and our accountant. Um, I outsource our marketing. So our newsletter and things like that and our website are designed and built by somebody else. So we keep involved and give input to them, but we use somebody else's sort of like marketing expertise for that. And again, I use somebody completely separate for social media. Um, it was the biggest thing I found hardest to let go when we started outsourcing because it had been my baby for so right. long and I was so worried about what somebody was going to put on social media on my behalf. Um, but we drafted some brand guidelines and some criteria and I have somebody that's my social media that knows absolutely nothing about financial services. So the posts that go out obviously have to make sense because she has to understand them herself. Um, right. We've had some really right. good feedback yeah. from our social media. She does some really great posts for us. And, and that's the thing, you know, we, 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 we've been really happy to share with anybody all the things that we do, how we do it. Um, the one thing Sarah won't share is the person that does our social media. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's because we, we think it's a bit different and um, we see we see a lot of firms out there that you know they've bought that social media stuff off the shelf yeah. because i've seen that same post five mm. times just with different logos i once saw that on mm. twitter maybe 18 months ago that i looked on twitter and the same post was about four or five times it was just in a different firm's branding and i, I just really didn't want ours to have that so because i was pretty much bespoke made for us I know nobody else is ever going to put the same post out that we are. So that's that's why I keep it my, my tightly guarded secret. <laughs> it's it's incredible. I mean, your 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 marketing, the branding, the um, I, I haven't seen your newsletter, but I've seen the branding on the website, the video. I know you've won quite a, a few awards as well. You know, the the marketing is is really strong. It comes across just looking at it. To me, it comes across boutique you know niche um dare i say a little bit of posh um we bought an intern in um i think it probably be the first first or second year that berry and oak was running and rather than us bringing an intern to do financial services we bought in a marketing intern so somebody that was at uni doing a marketing course it's about eight weeks ten weeks. she spent eight weeks with us yeah and we, we literally spent the eight weeks and she i used her you know what, what she'd learned doing marketing for three years at uni and she helped me come up with some brand guidelines she helped me create we use something called canva for doing some of our marketing posts she helped me get yeah. that all set up and working and running so um, it's a great way if anybody's you know wanting help with stuff like that get an intern in yeah. and, and but, we but she, let her take back the, she she helped me bring out that well we, we wrote the berry and oak social media strategy with what we do each month the, the basics of it but because there was nothing confidential in there there was no client you know data or anything like that she was able to take that back as part of her final year sort of like work that she'd done in evidences so we, as well as her gaining the experience um she helped us a lot it was you know a, a win for both of us really and it was yeah. a and that's what we've done you know with, with the guidelines as well is that we, we we decided that we wanted to have a sort of consistent look and feel so i think now if you see a social media post you know it's ours you know straight away because mm. of the coloring that's on it etc um, and that's what we wanted to be sort of consistent of rather than just random photos and a few words. Um, but it has all to be about building the brand, which has worked very well from a, you know, client attraction because they're sort of seeing the brand or working professional connections. But also what works well with it now is 
our names got out there quite a bit in the community, uh, professional no, advice community, that we get quite a few people now approaching us wanting to join us. So we get emails out of the blue saying, I'm an advisor, I want to change firm. I really like what you do at Barry Oak. I've been following you on social media for a year or so. Can we have a conversation? Um, and we have that from you know admin and power planning. So there, there are a few conversations going on with people at the moment that you know at the right time for us, they may well be joining. And it's been because they've seen the brand and, and what we sort of stand for as a business, and, and it's you know um, you know meets their values and, and 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 their culture and what they're looking for in a firm because we're very much financial planning is what we do. We're not we're not asset gatherers and all the other things. It's about looking after the client. Um, and that resonates a lot with 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 the staff that work with us now and the, the and the people that want to join us. They want to be there where they're making a difference to clients' lives. Incredible stuff, good stuff. So you you alluded earlier on to fees, to you know this thing you're doing with uh, I think you said fixed fee or flat fees. I'm interested in give us a, a sense of. How, how your fees stack up, stacks up currently, you know, AUM versus flat fee, what's driving this shift, if I might okay. call it that? So, I mean, the first thing to be sort of really clear about is um, we do a financial plan, a proper financial plan for practically every client. Um, I read a great quote from Dimensional recently, which I, I've, I've reused, that um, a pilot won't fly a plane without a flight plan we like won't it. invest anybody's money without a financial plan um, so we are very much at you go through a cash flow plan model with us which isn't just about the cash flow and the graphs it's the conversation it's the story it's what are you trying to do and why um, and we do that for every client and, it, and it's really interesting because I've, I've actually got a client this afternoon over zoom um, it's a new client that, that came to us um um, on the back of us winning one of the awards, they, 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 they saw that um, because they're based quite a way away from us. Um, but they, they weren't happy with their existing advisor and the investment performance and all this, and they wanted to move it. But they required, I mean, they didn't really want to go down the financial planning bit because they'd done that before. Hmm. Um, they just wanted hmm. to invest the money. And then if the investments were going to go well, then they'd talk financial planning. Um, and I went, well, sorry, that, that ain't the way we work. You know, it, Way round. The card, you're putting the card yeah, before it's this else, way yeah. round and this is why so sorry if that's what you want to do you know we're not for you and it's half a million pounds to invest so we were like happy to walk away because I know it's it, it's just not going to end well um, they gave it a day came back said okay we'll do it your way um, we'll do the planning <laughs> um, and what's interesting is that the couple are about 72 years old um, and they've got 60, 70 grand a year of guaranteed income from DB pension, state pension and they're not quite spending that. And they've got half a million pounds to invest. And I'm like, well, mm. when are you going to spend it? Well, well, we want to make it grow. I'm like, you're 72 bloody years old. You know, <laughs> you know, you know and, and, and you know, you're not going to be surprised if I tell you their cash flow now is off the chart. So the conversation is you're going to start, you know, for us, if, if all I do is take your half a million and make it 750, that ain't done you a good job. If, if you haven't done anything different, anything new and, it was interesting because, as I alluded to, we, we onboard people over a few meetings. And when I sort of told them, because I could see what it was going to be initially, by the last time I, I spoke to them, they suddenly had talked about moving house, going on holiday more, mm. um, doing other things, that are hobbies that they'd always wanted to do. So it had changed their mindset. 
from we're just going to invest the money and watch it grow to, and I think she said our, one of our friends, um, they go to Australia every year and, and that, and I'm like, you know, they're obviously spending the money doing well. So that's what you should be doing. You've got all this money. Why are you not doing it? It's like we're giving them permission to spend. I think the fact that they know they've got a plan and their plan shows we can afford to spend all this money and we're still going to be okay. And if they're not coming back into their meetings with us telling us where they've been or what they've done, you know, it's going to be trouble. Just, yeah, basically. <laughs> and they know that. <laughs> but but that, that's what our job is, is to help people live their best life. It's not to invest their money and make loads of things for it. You know, get good returns to fund the life bit. But it's, you know, it's having that hard conversation with people saying, you know, you need to do a bit more. You can live. Don't don't stop. Um, so it'll be really interesting how that one goes later on. But sorry, back to fees. No, um, it's good. I love that. So because we do that financial planning as a separate piece, we charge for that. Um, that's what we call module one design, designing your financial plan. And, and we charge a fixed fee for that. It's £3,000 plus VAT. Now, we deliberately separated it and added VAT to it because we, we treat it as a separate financial planning piece. There's not this design to intermediate. We, we could put that in and it could save the client a bit of VAT, but now we're trying to sell a product. We, we've positioned it. It's a financial planning piece. That's, the, that's it. And we've been there before whereby... You know, we've we, we done it before. It was a range. It was between 1,000 and 4,000, which were where am I on the range? And you always end up being near 1,000 and giving it away cheaper and, you know, and debating yeah. where you were on the range. So we did it about three or four years ago. It's just 3,000. There is no ifs. There is no buts. There is no discounts. It's 3,000 plus VAT. And you pay it at the start. No pay, no start. Um, and, and it, that, that gets rid of all the tire kickers um, yeah. and also you sometimes get clients where they're not as good as giving you the paperwork they take the time hey, you've paid you can mm. take as long as you like in the past we've had it where we did it half up front half on company on presentation of the plan um, and I just don't think they're, they're bought in as well but I think that you know they make that initial investment and they get on with it and it, it, you know we, we follow the process and it works yeah. And, and yeah, and obviously there's going to be ones that we miss out on because they don't want to do that. Well, you're always going to, if you're going to start arguing by fees at the outset, you're going to be arguing for fees all the way through the journey. And so, you know, we've, we've shown them that value. They've, they've engaged with it. They've gone with it. And we've never had anybody that, that's, been, that's been an issue with. Once they've gone through it, they've all got great value and, and, and taken it from there. So very much set one, financial plan. That's the fee for the planning. Then it's the, okay, now we've done the plan. We know what's left. We know what you need to do. And actually, that one, that one, and that one, they're fine as they are. You don't need me to do anything. Just leave them. These ones here, we need to move. Um, typically, we charge about 1% of the amount that we're giving the advice on to, to do. Um, sometimes, if it's slightly smaller or there's multiple pensions, that might have to go up because, you know, £500,000 of cash is a lot easier to invest than seven pensions, totally 500000 so we have to depend on what will happen there. And if it gets really big, we'll, we'd, we'd look to cap it. On an ongoing basis, we charge 1% assets under management that after one and a half million, we start tearing it down. Um, but then this is the other bit that we do different is we charge a separate monthly financial planning fee for all the clients that we're doing financial planning on. That's interesting. I was going to get to that. Sorry, yeah. carry on. Yeah, carry on. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so we, yeah. we charge that, and, it, and it's, it's, it's just gone up from £90 to £100 a month, um, including VAT, because mm -hmm. it's battable. Um, and my view about that is we do the proper bit of updating cash flow and on all the things from it. 
um, which is a financial planning service. It's nothing to do with the intermediation on changing your funds or whatever in your pension or your investments. Um, and I have a fear that, especially in pensions, that people taking all the asset under, under management charge out of a pension and then providing all these other services on bank accounts, cash flow, wills, power mm. of attorneys, etc. That's an unauthorized withdrawal. Mm. And mm. at some stage, that's going to come to bite the profession, I feel. So we charge a separate monthly fee that's the financial planning, and we charge the asset under management fee for the suitability and amending the portfolios and the stuff that goes with it from there. To be honest, the ratio is probably wrong. They should be paying three thousand a month, and they should be paying 0.2% trail. But the market we have found has not been ready for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ready for that bit. So it's a start. And you know, gradually we're trying to increase that and reduce the asset under management bit. So our clients are used to paying these ongoing fees, but it's been about that's the financial planning piece. Um, because I think it is a different service and shouldn't be wrapped up in the other bit. I'm sure many people will argue with us. I know hundreds of firms, but I can only think just right now, maybe about three or four who do this thing that you do, you know, which is to have an ongoing, I'm going to call it retainer, for the financial services, sorry, for the financial planning element. And the, the the thing I was going to say, you already thought of it, which is like, I always wonder about, you know, the, the ratio being wrong in the sense that, you know, you charge a hundred pound uh, a month for the financial planning. That's like, uh, you know, 1200 a month, uh, sorry, a year by the power of arithmetic. But if someone has a half a million pound portfolio and you're charging 1%, that's like 5,000. And so you say, well, actually, it should be the other way around. But I completely, completely agree with you that, uh, you know, the, the, the market, so, you know, the market is just not right for it. Uh, I've seen example of planners who will, um, uh, not many who would deduct the planning fee from the one percent. So they would say, uh, let's say, for instance, uh, you know, the planning fee is three thousand pounds a year, and then and they would deduct that from the pension, uh, and then there would be some sort of basis point for the rest of the regulated advice, but. <laughs> the client doesn't care, right? Um, and as you say, the, the 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 market is probably not ready for a lot of these things. Uh, but you know, it's incredible to see progress and people like yourselves trying to get close. You know, it's like like that pursuit of happiness, isn't it? You're trying to get, you know, you're not, you're never gonna get there. Maybe Sarah's ever, there. She's met me. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you're you're definitely striving towards it. That's that's incredible. So, you've got a great business. You've got an incredible team. Um, you know, over a million pounds of turnover. That's fantastic. You know, very high in terms of productivity. Lots and lots of awards. Before we finish this call, Sarah will probably have won another award. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's incredible. 
where does this go? Where, where do you where do you take this? Yeah, a, a really good question, Abraham, and, and something we've been looking at and working at um, a little bit over the last um, year of 18 months um, because we've got to a great place as a, you know, a lifestyle business and we, that's probably where we are at the moment. Lifestyle business maybe took a step or two above and it's either stay as we are, you know, good brand, good reputation, doing a good stuff, great lifestyle, really enjoying it. What's the problem? Um, or we take that next step of transitioning it into a business that is going to have different people running, taking over different responsibilities. Um, and that's a two to five year journey that, you know, in five years time, Sarah and I don't have to be in the business. The business could run itself and all the things that, that, that go to it from there. So we're working with a couple of business consultants at the moment that are helping to shape what that might look like um, and what's involved. Um, there's one or two firms that have expressed an interest in, in, in merging with us. Um, every other day there's a phone call of that. I think I'm up to 25 times recurring income now. Um, I think that the biggest thing that, that I think for us is that, you know, the team needs, it needs to, whatever we do with the business going forward, the team needs to be looked after and the clients. We couldn't just, you know, like be acquired by somebody and the clients just be, I don't know, we're just, just not looked after and pushed. You know, we've spent a long time. These clients, well, these clients have trusted us with their lives, really. We look after their life savings for them. So we would need to make sure that whether it's that we grow Berry and, Berry and Oak or we merge with another company, that the clients are in the right home and the team are. Yeah. And, and, and we're in no rush. You know, we're, you know I've, I've sort of got lots of oil of you later that I've been using, so I'm very young. Um, <laughs> Sarah's much younger than I was I'm going to younger. say, Sarah is still very much, I was going to say, Sarah is still very much a spring chicken. Uh, I can't yeah, say this. And so I'm far. the gnarly oak tree, I know, I know. <laughs> but yeah, no, we're still very young. We've still got plenty of time left with us from there. Um, but it is that next stage, what do we do, which is, you know, for us, we're, we're bringing in one or two other people of sort of a, a senior level to help run the business and take it through this next stage of, of growth, which is steadily expanding is our preference, you know, taking on another advisor, another back office team um, to support that advisor and incre increasing the reach of the clients that we can serve because we're very much like, you know, every, we want to help everybody. You know, everybody out there, we want to help and um, be able to sort. And obviously, the size limits how many extra people we can look after and deal with from there. So, yeah, very, very interesting point. And firms get to that bit. We don't want to become huge and lose our sort of, you know, quite client-centric appeal um, and also spend all our time managing stuff and not being able to see clients. Yeah, I think just an example, the size of the firm, you know, we, we all know the clients and they all know us. So I've spent this morning minging all our clients just to tell them to expect their letter to do their bed and ISA for the next tax year tomorrow. And at each client I've rung, we had a bit of a chat about where they're going on holiday, what they're doing. So it's, you know, and it's just that we can deliver that personal service at the moment. If you get too big, then the person calling the client might not know the client and might, you know, not be able to have that chat with them, which I think is, you know, is quite important. You know, the client feels that, you know, I've rung up and, you know, well, the gentleman I just I spoke to before I came on the call was telling me he's off to Mauritius in a couple of weeks and what the weather's going to be like. And it, it makes it a nice call to have. And I think that was absolutely what we didn't say earlier, really, is probably something else that unique that Barry and Oak do is we have at least two people sat in every client meeting. And that's a range between being another advisor, a power panel, and, and actually the administration staff spend as much time in the meetings as the rest. Because they're usually the people that pick up the phone, pick up the emails, etc. So they're involved in the meetings, taking notes, being involved and seeing what's going on. 
which is has lots of benefits. It means I don't have to type notes as much or write notes. There's a big benefit to Andrew not writing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I hadn't been a French advisor, yeah. I should have been a doctor from my writing. Um, but also it's great for their their knowledge and learning. You know, there's not there's no no better way of learning about a topic than actually sat there hearing it. And three, from a client's point of view, the clients then feel it's not just an advisor, there's a there's a team of people. Um, that, that team might change next time they think they see we have somebody different sat in. So when we do things like client events where we do like a seminar and invite them along, all the staff come along as well, everybody, um, and the clients spend as much time talking to the staff as they would do with me or Sarah or Dan because they know them really well from sat in the meetings um, or over the phone and emails. You know, it's, they, they put in a face to a name and we get a lot of really good feedback from clients that they really enjoy meeting the whole team fantastic stuff Sarah, Andrew, I have really truly enjoyed our conversation and learn, you know, learning about your business and, and the good work that you're doing so uh, thank you very much for making the time uh, is there anything that you wanted to say by the way of closing, anything that we haven't got to uh, that you want to Sarah especially uh, yeah, I don't get a word in do I? <laughs> really? <laughs> no I think no nothing from me no, no, we really enjoyed doing it. And, and thanks for all the great work you're doing out there as well, sort of supporting the financial planning profession. It, you know, we need people to be able to you know, raise their hands and, and push what financial planning really is because it you know, does make a huge difference to clients' lives when we do it properly. Ah, you're too kind, Andrew. Thank you very, very much. Thank you uh, for the good work you do. Thank you for being a role model in our profession for others. To, and thank you for coming here to, to, to share your story. Really enjoy the conversation. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be remiss if I don't thank my incredible team who worked very hard to put this program together. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Timeline Retirement Planning Software and Pytech, low-cost flat fee model portfolio manager. And to you, our listeners, thank you for your time. I hope you've had as much fun listening to the program as we have making it. You can find more about the show at retirementals.co.uk and you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is Abraham on money. Until next time, thank you.